Okay, part three, Epic Heroes. Let's do this. We made it. Welcome to Talk About Tattooing. I'm Andrew. I'm Nathan. And we are Twin Brothers, here to bring you what's new in Nerddom and give colorful commentary on our favorite subjects. Welcome to our cantina. Grab a drink and settle in as we set course for realities beyond our own. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to episode 48. Today's recording date is November 4th, 2023. And this is going to be released on Monday, the 6th of November, so in just a few days. Today, we're going to be discussing part three of our Epic Heroes lineup. But first, we're going to start off with our starter questions. And make sure to stick around, guys. We have a lot coming up in the news, and we're super excited to share all of that with you. All right, let's get started with our first opening question. What have you been watching recently? I realize we put down the same thing, but I actually just started watching yesterday uh, Crapopolis on Hulu. And honestly, it has some of my favorite voice actors in it. And I've really been just enjoying it as a like a light and funny uh, lighthearted watch so far. So I've been really enjoying it. I'm hoping to watch Loki here soon. Um, you were mentioning Invincible. I need to get an Amazon Prime account so I can actually do that. Like Invincible is a great show and the season two starter really, really strong. Dude, I hope it starts as good as uh, season one did. That was, that's, I think probably out of almost any show I've watched season one, episode one of Invincible is probably one of my favorite introductions to a new series dude rocked my world really it did absolutely punches you in the face and it's amazing so yeah uh, i agree with you on the crapopolis thing um uh it's fine i wouldn't say it's the funniest thing ever it's no bob's burgers um but i'm really hoping it comes into its own because matt barry and uh richard iowate are some of my favorite voice actors and just actors in general they're hilarious they're so good like i said invincible is it's really good uh and loki season two is probably one of the better marvel shows that has come out ever i'm really enjoying it sweet Maybe that will help me get over the fact that you've already warned me that there's time travel. Well, that's sort of the entire premise. I mean, they're working with the TVA. That's not a spoiler. Uh, moving on to our next question. What games have you been playing? Minecraft, Minecraft, and more Minecraft. I just got done with our morning stream over on Twitch.tv. Make sure you guys follow us there. Thank you. <laughs> we stream on Wednesdays, Thursdays in the evening, and then... Uh, Saturday morning. I usually stream at 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, approximately. Uh, and that's been really fun. I'm working on probably the biggest build I've ever done. It's uh, I'm taking a mountain biome and I'm transforming it into a Christmas village. Um, so stay tuned to see what that's like. Right now we're, we're still in the terraforming phase. Um, and I am just blowing through the um, durability of my tools so uh next episode is probably going to be me setting up my village i'm probably going to build uh an extensive pumpkin automatic pumpkin and melon farm so i just have resources to just chew through eat up for experience get some emeralds yeah i think it's gonna be a good time oh yeah i've been doing a little bit of work in minecraft as well i've actually switched from my base over to yours to kind of help out with the project in little ways um and so I've actually really been enjoying that. I'm actually hoping to get some hours in today and potentially tomorrow to actually help build some of that. I've been playing a lot of Shadow of War over on my new Xbox, which has been really exciting. Uh, I've been playing some StarCraft. Weirdly enough, I'm like, I actually feel like I'm enjoying StarCraft more now that I have an Xbox because it's not just the only game I can play. So I'm, I've been really enjoying it. Although I have been itching for a new first person shooter to play. Um, I was kind of chatting with you about Modern Warfare 3, which I think is a remake and I'm not entirely sure. Some of the maps are remakes of the ones that we've seen already. And I think there's gonna be a few more, but I don't know if the campaign is gonna be new or not. We'll see. Um, so really excited for that. I loved Modern Warfare 3. That was one of my favorites. I played that a lot, but I'm also not in a hurry to buy it just because it is the Christmas season. Uh, in our family, gifts are bought early, very, very early. So it is uh, it is a faux pas in our family to buy things for yourself this close to Christmas. Uh, you do not do that unless you upset the matriarch. So we're not going to do that. Probably almost the entire month of August, September, and then November and December, we're not allowed to buy gifts for ourselves. Uh, hobby work. I see that we both have the same answer. 
Uh, none. I have gotten no hobby work done. I have a bunch of stuff on the back. You guys will see even in last week's episode, I have my box for my kill rig that is just sitting there. I am no longer better than everybody else by having my entire pile of shame actually assembled and slightly <laughs> painted. Um, so here we are. I am back in back in the dirt with the rest of you rabble. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I actually do Jeez. have a lot of painting to do. Um, I was meaning to do a lot of painting in October because it's Orktober for Warhammer. And I'm building an orc spooky army that's like how supposed to be like Halloween colors, a little bit haunted. And I got absolutely I think I put paint on a model like maybe once or twice. And I just haven't had time to get into it. So we, do, we have, even with starting a new job, we have had a lot of stuff going on at home and it's just been hard to um, get that going. So hoping to improve that this month, I want to actually have my army fully painted by the next time we play. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's totally fine. Like a lot of the stuff we do here on the podcast is hobby related. So obviously that's going to come second to our real life responsibilities. Before we get into today's episode here, guys, we do want to throw a huge thank you to our top patrons, Mike and Isaac. Again, you guys are the ones that are keeping this going. Even with that little bit of help, it really, really helps us for just Crushing $5 man. a month. You guys can support us over here at Talk About Tatooine so that we can do more awesome things like giveaways, game servers, and higher quality content. Thank you all again from the bottom of our hearts. And with that, let's get into the show. We are starting part three of our Epic Heroes list because we thought we were going to do this in one episode and that actually turned out to be a very silly idea because as you guys can see up on the tier maker screen, there's a lot of people up here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be starting off with the Tyranids and we're going to be looking at Old One Eye. Andrew, go ahead and give us your rating on Old One Eye. So I don't have the actual model for old one. Eye. I have the swarm Lord here, but he's going to be the stand in. Um, once I had this tier maker up, adding photos was a little, is a little difficult because then it would reset the whole thing. And I'm like, nope, I don't want to reset it and like potentially lose the progress, even though I have like picture evidence, but I put old one eye in a tier, uh, my comments, let's see, solid a tier. He puts, he has no inv invulnerable save. That's a problem. Uh, he's a little easy to kill, but he's also sort of tough at the same time. He's got a five up feel no pain and a two up armor save. That's good. However, most of your toughness or i should say most of your ability to soak up damage is going to come out of that invulnerable save so just having an armor save isn't super good because ap is a thing um the five up feel no pain is actually super good um most characters don't have that so he's kind of like can soak up a lot of damage but also can't it's it's weird um he's a very very good melee unit um i do like that he can lead a maximum of two carnifexes that's going to make him uh, a lot more survivable because he's going to have those two bodyguards and two melee carnifexes with old one eye would just be the best like vanguard spear tip point to a tyranid swarm i think he's uh middle of the tier uh i probably would put him oh this is a hard one i probably would put him just below morvan val uh, i think morvan val is really good uh and sisters of battle in the new meta report are really really strong yeah for sure so this guy i would actually put in high a tier so i would actually probably put him maybe like one step or two steps up potentially um he slaps in melee regains wounds and honestly is just a ton of bang for your buck for just 140 points so i think he's a really really good value even without that invuln save and he does gain wounds back at the beginning so if for some reason you are able to blow through those carnifexes if you're running him in that configuration he some of his durability is gained back by D3 lost wounds in your command phase. Which is pretty good. Yeah, being able to regain a third of your health uh, is pretty good. Um, however, if something comes up against him and does have a high AP value, they're more than likely just going to wipe him off the, the battlefield in the first place. They got to they gotta punch through those Carnifexes first, so uh, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to our next guy. So these are the only two Xenos on our list. Everything after this is either going to be Demon Primarchs or Greater Demons. Um, you can ignore the second Eldari model I have in there. That's not going to go up on the board because we already have an Eldari model here in C tier. So Commander Shadow Sun being buffed to 100 points shoots everything 
and is a much better leader than Farsight. We were actually having this discussion off the podcast the other day about whether or not we should include Farsight or Shadow Sun. And Shadow Sun is the um, basically the supreme commander of the Tau. And so it did make a little bit more sense to include that. Plus, you look at just kind of how Shadow Sun operates, has four different weapons, the Flechette Launcher, High Energy Fusion Blasters, Light Missile Pod, and Pulse Pistol. Um, this model is going to do a ton of damage in the shooting phase. You can split fire this really, really well and is just going to do a ton of damage. I will say, however, uh, even with Stealth and Lone Operative, this unit is a little bit squishy and does require some protection. So if for some reason you don't have anything around to kind of shield Commander Shadow Sun, she can be pretty easily kind of wiped off the board. So you do have to be careful with that. I would put this, I'm going to say low A tier. Low A tier. Gotcha. Good, good. But keep in mind, I think that squishiness needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Re reading through this data sheet, I'm like, man, do I want to start a Tau army? And I'm like, no, no, you have bills to pay. Don't do it. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, it's only 100 points, Nathan. You could do it. I'm like, I might need to get a combat patrol. <laughs> Not going to lie. One thing I really like about Commander S Shadow Sun is her ability to fall back and shoot. And pretty much every battle suit, if so, if it's got battle suit in the name in the tail range, is also going to have that same ability. They're going to be able to fall back and shoot. That is vital for Tau because Tau caught up in melee is just equals dead Tau. So the ability to fall back and shoot and her being hopefully able to be surrounded by battle suits is really good because she has that hero of the empire aura ability so she acts very similar to the way a ninth edition hero would work it just ends up being near your other troops not actually attached to those squads and gives the ability to reroll a hit roll of one on ranged attacks that's that's really good in most games that require lots of dice rolling the best strategy you can have is being able to re-roll dice with that however because of how squishy shadow sun is i don't think she belongs in s tier with tau is sitting at between 47 and 48 percent win rate on the meta report i would i would keep her in a tier for sure but i would keep her maybe above some of the space marines but not above morgan val I could get behind that. And yeah, that buff to 100 points is huge. Um, speaking of huge, uh, the next guy on our list. So we are now into the uh, the rest of the demon primarchs and the greater named demons for chaos demons. There's quite a few, but we're hopefully going to um, punch through these. For 415 points, we have Angron of the World Eaters. I don't think I'm being presumptuous in putting this um, pretty dang high in uh, S tier. I think you're right. It's got to be there. Holy smokes. Angron is so good. No one cares that he can't shoot. That's so true. You're like, oh no, what are we going to do? It's like the whole faction doesn't even shoot. There's like three units that are actually good in shooting in world eaters. And everything else is like, hey, we actually like gain bonuses. If you start shooting us off the table, um, we like it. Shoot me harder, daddy. First off. Angron has a ton of wounds, a ton of toughness, and a 14-inch move. A 14-inch move plus the ability to deep strike is very, very good. There's no way he's not getting into combat. There's no way he's not getting into combat. And then also at the start of your charge phase, select one Wrathful Presence ability. Those are his Primarch abilities. And they all have to do with like attacking or charging. He's good. He's really tough. He's really good. And he can revive himself. So the thing with his revive is it's not like, oh, he stands back up on half, half health. You essentially put him into uh, Deep Striker Reserves with full health. He's got 16 wounds. Dude, if this guy if this guy stands back up, dude, you better win the game while he's off the board because he's going to come back and he's going to eat you for breakfast. Hundred percent, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, obviously, I have three reasons that he needs to be in S tier. One, being a Primarch, that's just like it's going to put you in S tier. Two, being able to come back on death via blessings of corn. Three, this guy does an insane amount of da melee damage, like. Uh, what is it? The overall, if you were doing the... Da, 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 da. 64 damage. 
Yeah, 64 damage. That is so much. If this guy is going mano y mano with basically anything, my odds are that he is going to kill it. Now, keep in mind when we're going back, uh, I'll backpedal here just a second. Blessings of Corn. how that works is you get to roll eight dice. And essentially, if you get three sixes out of those eight dice, which is a 37.5% chance, he gets to stand back up. That is not, I mean, it's not quite like a coin flip, but it's pretty good. I'm pretty excited about him. He's got to be an S tier. I think you've got him in the right spot. Without doing a point for point comparison, and maybe we'll come back to this if we have enough time at the end of the episode. Honestly, he feels, he definitely feels like the best Primarch in my opinion, just because of his sheer damage output and the four up invul. Oh my gosh, he's so tough. And his, his model and everything about Angron, I'm like, this is so cool. And I'm like, I'm reading the Siege of Terra right now. And he has like, been able to manifest on Terra at this point, at least certain portions. He's not able to like get into the palace yet, but it talks about him just being like a like a comet, like coming down and like striking the fortifications that Rogel Dorn has put up, and it's amazing. And it really feels like his abilities on the tabletop match his killing power in the game from the lore, I should say. Yeah, it's never a good time when ordinary soldiers go up, up against a Primarch. It's like, you can shoot him all you want. It's not going to do anything. Like, <laughs> it's it's so bad. Let's move on to our next guy. And if we have enough time, we can come back. Whether or not Angron should be above or below Bellacor, I'm not 100% sure. Coming up next, we've got Magnus the Red, nerfed to 440 points. Andrew, go ahead and give us your rating. Even after the nerf, he's a solid S, uh, S tier. Thousand Suns are below the 50% win rate right now, and Magnus really eats up a lot of your list doing that, but I have a really hard time putting a Primarch in A tier. So I would put this above Mortarian, who is, in my opinion, the weakest Primarch. I would actually put him... Uh, I would put him below Gilliman, personally. Uh, and they nerfed him because even in an army that is not necessarily doing as well... Let me pull up the meta report. Um... So you guys can see it. Thousand Suns is sitting kind of right between 44 and 45%. So really what they want to be at, I want to say, is 50 plus or minus 3%. So he's just out of that winning sl or that uh that winning range that we want to see. But like he's really good. <laughs> so yeah, I I put him uh pretty high in S tier. Um, his psychic abilities are just phenomenal. Uh, the Blade of Magnus has a 16 strength attack. Like, he's going to kill anything that he gets into, into range with. And the same thing with Engron. He's got that deep strike ability and a 14 inch range. Dude's going to be able to get into combat. He's going to kill stuff. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Absolutely. With a 14-inch move, uh, 11 toughness, this guy's going to be really hard to bring down, and he's going to get into combat really, really quickly. Now, keep in mind, with a toughness of 11, this is going to be a plus 5 to wound on almost every single weapon, minus like the select few in the game that are like really high-powered like vehicle killers, for example, and most ordinary infantry are going to be a 6-up to wound. Like It's going to be so hard to take this guy down with a 2-slash-4 save profile, so 2 on a regular save, 4 on on the invuln. This guy's going to be really hard to take down. I mean, again, the Primarchs all have a six on their OC value. So again, if you get this guy into combat and heaven forbid, this guy is fighting in combat on an objective, he's going to do work. He's got to be an S tier. I think even for one of the worst Primarchs, like you get him on the field, he's going to be good. I mean, he's going to have, he also has a really good uh, ranged profile as well. Probably one of the better ones for some of the uh, demon primarchs. So I'm pretty excited about that. And so that does make him a little bit more versatile in my opinion. So um, I like where you have him. I think it's hard when you're facing other primarchs like uh, Rebute and Angron because they can both essentially stand back up or come back to the field. Um, Lionel Johnson has like reflecting wounds and some fight first ability. Uh, so you're, you're fighting some really, really good uh, you're competing, competing, excuse me, against some really, really good models. Um, but I think middle of S tier is going to be pretty good for this guy. Yeah, I, I would consider more, or sorry, I would consider Magnus, um, an auto include and enlists, um, a thousand points or higher, which is really saying something. Cause like he's 440 points. That's almost half of your, your list, but he's going to do the work for you. hundred percent. 
Coming up next here, guys, we are moving into some of the greater demons. Now, we're going to start off with the greater demon of Zinch, Kairos Fate Weaver. So, really excited about this. Now, this is the named model of the Lord of Change. Um, I don't know about you, but I put this into A tier. I think for the same price, especially when I'm comparing him against other greater demons, as the same price or point value, excuse me, of 285 as Rodigus, Fate Weaver is more lethal, more mobile, and has the same invuln save. So I think this is a much better option than Rodigus, uh, which does kind of spoil what I'm going to say about <laughs> Rodigus later. But and he has some really good uh, abilities and is just going to be able to do a lot of damage. So uh, I would have to put this in A tier. Where in A, a tier would you like him? Uh, I think for the points value, I would say, yeah, about right there is perfect. Yeah, I would actually bump him down a little bit. Um, I actually put him in the top of B tier. Um, I'm not really a fan of how many points he costs versus his relative strength value. I think paying over almost 300 points for something with a, uh, a, a strength cap of nine is a little high so he's going to be a really good elite killer but he's not going to be a good tank killer for that many amount of points i expect him to be able to take out some some tanks for example if i was running a um thousand suns army and i was you know i was running zinch demons along with that i don't know that i would take this guy at all because he's going to eat up a lot of my points and i would rather have magnus on the field he's less than half the points but can deal over twice as much damage it's hard for me to consider kairos as good in that 20 wounds is nothing to balk at he's really tough actually yeah i i think i'll i'll think i'll keep him where he is um the 20 wounds i mean that's gonna be hard to, to chew through I can upgrade him to uh, middle A tier. I would even say it would probably be fair to even average R2 and maybe put him at the bottom of A tier. Sure. Because I did I did not consider the fact that his weapons were only nine or eight and nine strength, and that does put a damper on how well he is going to be. Because again, those even just difference of one or two, once you get up into double digits, you start being able to take down a lot more foes, especially the heavy armored ones that are going to be the main foe for big units like this. He does have the indirect fire keyword, which I think is fine. However, for this kind of model, if I'm going to put him higher in A tier, I want to see lethal hits or devastating wounds or uh, some sort of anti keyword. Other than that, I think, yeah, bottom of A tier. If he was fewer wounds or fewer toughness, I'd put him in B tier easily because he's, he's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. Moving into our next one, we have the greater demon of Nurgle. We have Rodigus. I did kind of spoil my rating for this a little bit earlier. I actually think Rodigus should be in B tier. I think he is way too slow for something that is that expensive. Um, if you're running, for example, like a 500 point army, uh, that is going to be really, really hard to get him around the field. He does have one extra pip of toughness, but keep in mind the extra toughness compared to, let's say, Kairos. So Kairos has 10, Rodigus has 12. You're getting mostly the same results when people, most characters or most models are going to be hitting on fives and sixes. And so like, yeah, that's fine if he has a really like nice toughness. I don't understand why this guy has a save value of five up if he has an invuln of four. Like that doesn't also make sense. Like that doesn't fit with the like resiliency of Nurgle. So I'm kind of confused on that. I think he should have a better like a general save value. So if you're not attacking him with AP, you get an additional kind of like penalty. Um, but I'm really kind of upset about his uh, ability to do damage and actually his ability to get into combat. I think seven inches is just too short. And that really bums me out. I mean, I really like Deluge of Nurgle, his aura ability. I think that's really, really good. But I think he's got to be in B tier. Um, just the uh, the rest of these models that are roughly the same point cost are going to be able to get into combat faster. And you're, you're going to have to be, be very strategic about where you get this guy. Now, keep in mind, he does have 22 wounds at Toughness 12. So once he gets into combat, he's going to be really good. Like he's not going down. He could potentially bog down whatever objective or unit that he is engaged with potentially all five game rounds like he's going to be really tough to take down but again with a seven inch move it's like if you keep him in the back you are losing a lot of damage capability but like getting him forward is really really tough so unless you're planning on getting a really good advance roll and turns one and two i don't think he's gonna do too much for uh the rest of your army 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think if you if you don't use his deep strike for whatever reason, you've completely missed out on the usability of this guy. Because he's so slow, he's not going to be able to advance up the board. He's barely faster than your regular six-inch infantry. It's not good. So seven-inch move, it's not great. He is a big model, so he'll be able to kind of reach those objectives a little bit easier just because of his girth. <laughs> but, like, I don't like him. Sure. Like, he's only 10 points more expensive than a great unclean one. So if you're going to be running one of those, you know, maybe think about picking up this guy. But, like, I don't like this model. I put it at low B tier, almost C tier. I really like Virulent Blessing, but if he didn't have that, I would put him at the bottom of C tier. And here's the reason. His model, let's see, Games, Workshop, Shweep, nailed it. We're going to look this up real quick because I think it's important for this conversation. Let's see, Rodigus, 95 pounds. So that's what, 115 bucks? Let's see, something like that, maybe even more. 160. Ooh, I didn't realize the pound to dollar conversion was so bad. <laughs> yeah, this guy's 160 US dollars. That's not worth it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not paying that. We haven't considered price for any other model on this list. I would say price does not affect my rating. I think I would still keep him where it is. Yeah. But the like if it were to come down for me actually buying some of these models, price would have to be if we if we factored in price, this list would look totally different. I'm gonna be totally honest. So a hundred percent. Yeah, it would look totally different. Most of the greater demons are gonna cost you above that one hundred and fifty US dollar mark. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking price, I'm going to put Commander Shadow Sun at the tippy top. I mean, she's like 50 bucks, so. She might even be less than that. She might only be uh, 30, but I already closed that window, so. Or did I? Uh, $50 on Amazon. Uh, let's move on to our next one, because uh, we're actually making really, really good time right now. And we have super different opinions on this next one, which is Scarbrand. This is uh, the Greater Demon of Corn. He's a bloodthirster. Andrew, take us through your rating for Scarbrand. I can't believe we we rated this so different. Uh, so this is the named Bloodthirster variant. It's not Angron, but he's really good in melee. He's got that 16 strength attack, and I think that's really good. And having a torrent weapon for ranged, he's going to be able to chew through some of those lighter infantry before he really gets stuck in. He is 345 points, um, and that's probably where we're going to disagree is. I think that's a good value. How much is Angron? Angron is 400 something, 415. And this guy is 20 wounds, toughness 11, that eight inch move. So significantly slower than Angron, but he's got this, uh, the rage embodied aura, I think is really good. Adding one attacks characteristics to melee, which is you know your whole army anyway, against except monsters and vehicles, I think is really good. Adding... <laughs> Adding the opportunity to deal more damage is always a good thing. And I really like Murderlust. However, I think Murderlust, I wish I could put a big asterisk next to it. So if you are running a corn army, not C-O-R-N-K-H-O-R-N-E, corn, the blood god, you have to really embody that mentality as a commander in fielding your army, which is... Uh, taking hits, never retreating, and just charging, charging, charging. Because murder lust, I'm going to read it word for word. While a unit is within six inches of this model, Scarbrand, each time that unit is selected to fall back, it must take a leadership test. If that test has failed, that unit must remain stationary this phase instead. And maybe this is this is ruled differently, but it does not specify friendly or enemy units. So if for whatever reason you are trying to retreat your own guys near Scarbrand, he's going to be like double middle fingers. Uh, no, you're staying in. That could be really bad. But again, uh, the, the blood god armies, so that's world eaters and then the red chaos demons, you have to just keep pushing forward because this guy is not giving you another option. Yeah, for sure. Rating for this guy, where would you put him? I put him in... I would put him in the bottom of S tier. He's expensive. Uh, his auras are good, so he sort of acts like a leader. Um, and having that deep strike capability, he's going to be very easy to get into combat. So I would say low S tier. I think I think if you're running just a corn demon army, he is a required 
pick. So I'm not entirely sure why this guy is so expensive. At almost 100 points more expensive than Rodigus, who we put in B tier, like this guy's good in melee, but so are most of the rest of the Chaos Demons. And so is um, like Bellacor, all our Primarchs, things like that. And I'm just, I'm not thrilled about his movement characteristic. I think eight inches for a bloodthirster of all things, something that usually has wings and he doesn't even have the fly characteristic, I think is really strange. Again, he has deep strike, but I'm just not thrilled about this character. I mean, he just, he doesn't have good movement. He's got about the same toughness as Rodigus, just a little bit less, same wounds as the rest of the Chaos Demons as well. So I'm like, I don't understand why this guy is so much more expensive. And especially for if it's if it's the melee weapon specific, the 16 strength weapon for most things, that's going to be overkill minus just a couple of units in the game. And I don't know. I just I I wasn't thrilled about this guy. I mean, I put him all the way down in C tier. I don't know if I was super thrilled about spending that many points on this guy, but I could definitely be convinced that he would go into A tier to kind of like average the two of us. Um, I think you brought up some really good points and I think my rating is much too low, but I'm just, I'm not thrilled about his profile, his data sheet, especially since like you, especially since you do get penalties. If for example, you were to fall back with your own units. So, which yeah, you're not just not supposed to do with a corner army. I will, I, yeah, it doesn't fit the flavor of the army. I do want to clarify his 16 strength melee attack. That is the strike characteristic. So if you are caught in with a larger group, you can use the sweep characteristic, which is 16 attacks at strength eight. I mean, that. I mean that's going to be cleaving entire squads of orc boys to ribbons each time he attacks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I can't really see him going any lower uh, in A tier, I probably would put him, e I mean, I wanted him in S tier, like pretty high in S tier. Um, I would put him at the very top of A tier is really the lowest I would be willing to go. I could compromise that 100%. Also, his wings look pretty tattered. That might be the reason he doesn't have the fly. He doesn't have fly. Gotcha. And I think if he were to go one-on-one -on -one with all of the greater demons he would win every single fight because of that strength 16 attack he'd be able to get stuck in and just cut them to pieces and they wouldn't be able to do anything because all um let's see uh gus uh kairos and then who else do we have shalaxi i actually disagree i actually think shalaxi would win in melee Ooh, okay um let's talk about shalaxi then so we'll skip over vashtor we'll come back to vashtor We'll end on Vashtor. Uh, so I really like Shalaxi Hellbane. Um, this unit is baller in melee. Uh, keep her out of bonking range um, because being a demon of Slanesh, she is going to bonk everything in sight. And I think one of my favorite things about her melee weapon, Soul Piercer, is it has precision. So she can attack with a strength 14 weapon and D6 plus two by six attacks is going to be, if you roll really, really well, is going to be pretty awesome. And the Snapping Claws does have devastating wounds and extra attacks. So she gets two melee characteristics here. Yeah, because it has that extra attacks characteristic. I mean, that puts her on track with uh, maximum dam damage output, just barely exceeding uh, Scarbrand. However, she is super expensive. She's 450 points. And I don't have I don't have my spreadsheet, so I I don't have the actual calculation because I didn't post it. I did it on another computer and then I didn't post it. She's so expensive. Four hundred and fifty seems high. One thing that she has is first of all, she has Monarch of the Hunt. So if she is going against some of these other characters, she does she gets to reroll hit and wound rolls and the damage roll against monsters, vehicles, against monsters, vehicles, and characters. Whoa. She also. And I think that between that and the feel no pain of five up means, which none of the other greater demons have, none of the greater demons have a feel no pain. She does. And she has the invuln of five. Invuln of four. Four, sorry. She is going to be lethal in melee. So devastating. Yeah. Like she's got to be an S tier for me. 
Like the fact that she has so many different like weapons, um, I think just on a broad scale, because she has four arms, she also gets four attacks. Um, like she can use her psychic attacks and the lash of Slanesh. So she can just like absolutely like do a decent amount of damage in shooting. She can also do a lot of damage in melee. Like, and again, with that precision, if she's going up against like, let's say even old one eye and he's got carnifexes around, she can just take soul piercer and just avoid the carnifexes entirely and remove that unit from the battlefield. Precision is a very effective ability. Um, in my opinion, most lists should have at least one precision option to help you get rid of those those pesky commanders so yeah having precision on such a strong weapon yeah i play orcs and none of my models have precision <laughs> um so you put it in s tier how high in s tier would you go pretty dang high um i would have to say like probably better than trajan uh, valoris i think the points are very well justified here because she has, for her, even for her points value, she has one of the highest melee damage output possibilities. So I put B tier, and I would put it above Mortarian. I I think Trajan Valoris is a much better value for the points you get, because Shalakti Hellbane is pro is like the second or third most expensive unit on this list. I mean, she got a fifty point nerf. That's huge. Just tells you how good she is. I think, yeah, I think point for point, she's probably worse than Trajan. But again, she's probably on that side of the curve that kind of levels out uh, toward like the more points you spend. You do get some diminishing returns, yeah. Yeah, you get some diminishing returns the more points you spend. Maybe she stays exactly where she is. I kind of convinced myself out of it. Not going to lie, I kind of want this model. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I actually want to play Demons of Slanesh. So um, let's see, looking at the meta report let's see we have death guard at 50 percent thousand sons at 45 percent we have let's see i want world eaters where are world eaters world eaters at 53 percent and then regular chaos space marines which is that's where the emperor's children are going to kind of sit they're going to sit in just the regular chaos space marines they're at 61 percent and i don't know if that's because of uh this model well, keep in mind, when Emperor's Children get a revamp, this model is going to be a huge benefit to that army. Like, when Fulgrim comes on the field, like, imagine running Fulgrim and Shalaxi in the same army. I mean, we run really big games of Warhammer, and, like, having those two on the field is going to be absolutely a, just, war crime. <laughs> yeah. What do you call a group of Chaos Demons of Slanesh? A war crime. A very horny war crime. All right. Uh, I think it's time to move on to Vashtor the Archifane. Now, I think we both disagreed on this one a little bit as well. We did get a 35-point buff, so Vashtor the Archifane is now 190 points. Actually, I, I think this guy has a really bad data sheet. Like, I think for the being the potential new big bad in the universe as far as like chaos goes like potentially becoming a chaos god are they just waiting for the glow up like i think his stats are bad i think he just he only has 14 wounds his movement's good but his toughness is nine not being in double digits means that you're gonna have so much more advantage against this guy i mean he's good against vehicles that's super nice he has an anti-vehicle uh with his hammer on his strike and sweep characteristic but like his range weapon sucks his strength for his melee weapons is seven and nine respectively for his sweep and strike i'm not super thrilled about that i, I don't know i just i don't see why this guy is such like such a big deal i think he goes in c tier if you ask me because he's i'm just i'm not super excited about him i could be convinced because of his now like even lower like point cost that he's like really good but i'm just i don't know it, it seems like a really big misstep that games workshop has him so like not not as strong as i want him to be yeah i think you make some really good points um his melee weapon leaves a lot to be desired even with that anti-vehicle keyword so he really only has one use which is getting up close to a vehicle and kind of hitting it and getting that anti-vehicle four up but like if i'm running vehicles here's the thing I'm going to keep my vehicles away from Vashtor and I'm going to charge him with infantry because then he's going to have to go through infantry. Yeah, he's got 14 attacks, but as an orc player, my boys are disposable. Like if I can bog this guy down in melee, I'm going to be super happy about that. 
Well, I'm thinking about uh, some of the vehicles that I run, like a Repulsor Executioner. Um, a Repulsor would be able to shoot Vashtor off the field in one turn, um, kind of no problem. Again, it's that Toughness 9 that really gets me. It's that Toughness 9. Yeah, that's that's not good. Like, one, he needs like one or two extra Toughness. If he had that, boom, he's shooting super high up because again, that little bit of a difference because we're dealing with uh, multiples here. Like, so when you're double toughness against something, then against somebody's strength, then it, it, it matters. Like if you have a strength five weapon, then it's a five up. If it's like the, you know, it's if, if, if he had a toughness 10, any, you would have to have a strength six to get that five up. So anything basically five or below on your strength value is going to be a six to wound, which would make him almost invulnerable to most battle line units. Like he's not going to take any damage from battle line stuff. Mm -hmm. And then like once you get into that area of like toughness 10, most character melee weapons don't have double digit uh strength values except the epic heroes because that's the list that we're talking about so then they go to five up because his toughness is going to be greater than their strength so again just that one extra pip of toughness is what he needs and he just doesn't have it so i'm not I, i'm not thrilled on vashtor i think they kind of missed the mark here yeah i think you make some really good points i originally had him in s tier and at this point i'm like no i think you're right i think he belongs in c tier so a big a big downgrade for me he should have three he should have an optional leadership ability of three he should have a primarch stat sheet here's the thing because if he's going to be a new chaos god doesn't he though no so he has like he doesn't get to like he doesn't get to pick between three different leadership abilities right i thought on the next page of his data sheet he had it oh no he doesn't i could have sworn he did that must have been his ninth edition profile yeah, so like he doesn't have that flexibility that like the Primarchs do, which may, is like part of the reason they're so good is because they give so many different buffs that are situation specific, and he doesn't have that. I mean, he does have the Unholy Mechanisms aura. I think that's really good to add strength uh, to your demon vehicles. But again, like until he moves up to be the fifth Chaos God of the Dark Mechanicum, like, I don't know, I'm just waiting on a glow up for this guy. Yeah, he needs it. He's C tier. For whatever reason, I could have sworn he had like the Primarch abilities where you know you're like, hey, here's your three leadership options. Pick one. Not sure why I thought he did. <laughs> maybe I was maybe I was confusing him with Abaddon. And with that here, guys, we have put our entire epic heroes up on the board make sure you guys take a look at this let us know if you guys think we are absolutely crazy for putting some of these guys here let us know your opinions in the comments of where you guys think these should go because again this is all about discussion these are our opinions and there's been stuff that like andrew has said that has swayed me to different things there and vice versa so we want to hear from you guys make sure you guys put that in but we are going to be jumping into our news from the hollow net we've got a lot to talk to you guys about we're going to run through this because even with going over the smallest amount of epic heroes so far we're at the 50 minutes of gross recording time so we're going to jump right into it uh andrew go ahead and hit us with our first point please so the first point uh the lord of the rings return to moria release date was apparently october 24th so at this point it's been about it's been out for about two weeks i had no idea we had originally covered this almost a year ago saying it was going to come out in the spring and if you go back to that episode i'm pretty sure i said something along the lines of this is not going to release this spring so i'm a prophet <laughs> No, I'm not. That's terrible. Uh, it's only on PC, so it was supposed to be available for console releases. And I, I really don't understand why console releases are so different that developers can't get it out the same day as the PC release. Because, I mean, I don't know what's what's going on with the Xbox Series X ecosystem, but it has so much like parody it seems like with windows 10 or 11 or whatever or number we're on that like it just seems so surprising that there's enough difference between the two that would make it so difficult to release on the same date beats me man i don't get why these things don't come out at the same time that being said on playstation 5 uh, we expect december 5th to be the launch date of that that's according to pc games n.com 
I don't know if that's a reliable source or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, and then the Xbox Series X slash S is early 2024. So that's a big bummer for us Xbox players. We'll see. Um, I really didn't like the way this game looked in the trailer. There was definitely some stuff that looked like early 2000s, just a 2D, um, like a 2D art asset kind of laid over a polygon shape um the characters themselves look fine um but it's some stuff in the background or even the foreground that i'm like that looks bad like some of their piles of gold in the trailer looked really really terrible like it's 2023 i don't know make your game look prettier or like make everything in your scene cohesive in the art style that you're gonna be like minecraft isn't quote unquote the prettiest game, but everything is consistent and that's what people want. So they want to be immersed in that world. They don't want, you know, the background to look like a matte painting and the foreground to be different. Like, you know, in old games, you'd be like, oh, I bet I could blow through that wall because it doesn't look like a matte painting. <laughs> yeah. So I I want to cover more and more Lord of the Rings stuff on this channel. Oh, 100%. It's hard for me because I haven't been totally on board with what's with what's coming out. I mean, really, the last thing about Lord of the Rings that I absolutely was on fire for was Shadow of War. And that was a while ago, which is why I'm playing it right now. It's a good game. Um, but the smear, the Gollum game. Remember, that's a thing. It was, ter it was terribly received. I forgot it, that like, there was a Gollum game. I'm not going to lie. A server that I'm in, somebody posted the trailer and we were all like, this is a joke, right? And they're like, no, this is an actual thing that's going to be produced. And people hated it. Shocking. Absolutely no one. No one wants to play as Gollum. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's stupid. It's so dumb. Wise. Coming up next, we're going to talk about our Christmas battle boxes. We have six different battle boxes that we're going to be talking about, and we're going to go over just what is included and actually the savings of each box as well, because I think that's going to be really, really important come Christmas time, because we, we are all trying to save a little bit of money around this time of the year, because I don't know about you, but December tends to be the most expensive month of the year for me and my family. For sure. So our six battle boxes, we have Votan, Orcs, Imperial Guard, Space Marines, Tyranids, and World Eater. So I'm just going to go through these really, really quick. Keep in mind, all six of these boxes actually retail for the exact same price of $230 US. So pretty excited here. Now, what is going to be really important to note is the savings on these boxes as compared to buying these units individually. So just keep that in mind. We'll start off with Votan. The Defenders of the Ancestors box, again, retails for $230. This saves you $115 if you were to buy all of these units separately. Now, keep in mind, if you don't want some of these units, then like you have to take that into consideration for the value. But this box comes with 10 Einherr Hearthguard, an Einherr Champion, Hecaton Land Fortress, Grimnir Living Ancestor, and a Sagittar ATV. So pretty good if you ask me. The Hecaton Land Fortress is an absolute like just Chad on the battlefield. So I'm super excited <laughs> about that. It's then very good. Then we've got the Orcs. This comes with a Beast of Snaga Stampede. This saves you $95 if you were to buy these all individually. We're starting off with Mazrog Scragbad as the leader for this. It comes with a Kill Rig, a Beast Boss on Squigasaur, three Squig Hog Boys with a Knob on Smash a Squig, a Pain Boss, and 10 Beast Snaga Boys. I think this is really good value for the Orcs because it gives you so many models. Then coming up, we have the Imperial Guard Cadian Defense Force, saves you $95, comes with 20 Cadian Shock Troops. Also, the uh, can we talk about how ridiculous the title Cadian Defense Force is? Because Cadia does not stand. Cadia is destroyed. So I think marketing kind of missed the mark there a little bit. But the Cadia stands. It most certainly does not. <laughs> Cadia does not stand, but you can be a Cadia stan. So... We have 20 Cadian Shock Troops, five a five-model Cadian Command Squad, and two Rogel Dorn tanks. I would buy this just for the tanks. Literally, Dude, I would just be like, hard I to pass up tanks. on that. So they're so, so good. good. 
then we jump into the good old boys, like how there's no way they would have a Christmas offering without offering Space Marines. Keep in mind, for $230, this saves you $100. This comes with 15 Jump Pack Intercessors, the new models of Intercessors. So new guys, that's awesome. Comes with a Captain with Jump Pack as well. Three Outriders and an Invader ATV. This is a fast-moving army. So like, honestly... I think it could be really good. But again, if that's not how you like to run your Space Marines, that is totally all right. But I'd be pretty stoked to have all those new intercessors, if you ask me. Coming up next for our fifth army, we have the Onslaught Tyranid Swarm. Again, this saves you another $100 as well. You're going to see some kind of like different units that kind of uh, look the same as what you get in the Leviathan box. We're starting off with a Norn Emissary. Uh, Awesome. So good. Really good at killing stuff. We have a winged hive tyrants, which keep in mind the winged hive tyrant does have the ability to be built into a ground hive tyrant as well. <coughs> it comes with 20 hormigons, 10 gene stealers, and two ripper swarms or a pair of ripper swarms. So pretty good. Gives you a lot of models. Pretty standard for your tyranid army. Then finishing up, we have your world eaters box the Exalted of the Red Angel. This comes with Angron. This is actually the best savings, I think, so far, of savings of $125. So good. pretty freaking awesome. Comes with the least amount of models with Angron, 10 Corn Berserkers, and 6 Exalted 8-pound. I would be pretty excited to run this, not going to lie. And for $230, bucks, you get Angron and 16 other models. I would be pretty excited about this. Yeah, uh, out of all of those boxes. Um, so I run Space Marines, and I don't like the Space Marine box because I think the Fast Attack Space Marine Detachment is one of the weakest. Um, if I were to buy any of these, it would be the Votan. I'm pretty stoked about the Votan as well. But also, like, I really like tanks, and so the Imperial Guard kind of calls out to me as well. But also, like, I would be split because Lord knows I would not be buying multiple of these boxes. If I were to buy them, I would buy one of them. I'm kind of bummed they don't have a Tau box because that's kind of where I'm leaning right now because I really want a shooty army so I can kind of play in different styles, but that is what it is, so... And a couple things, uh, some sneak peeks on the next episode that we're, we're going to record at the very end in the news for the Holonet. We're going to talk about Echo, which is a series coming out uh, in early 2024. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then the Marvels. So by the time our next episode comes out, the Marvels will be out. And we're really, really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Every single one of you is amazing and probably pretty good looking as well. Leave us your theories in the comments, share pictures of your models on Twitter and Instagram, or shoot us an email at talkabouttatooine at gmail.com if you have any questions you want featured on air. Make sure to subscribe and like this video so that the algorithmic overlords will slice this video into the feeds of other like-minded folks. And until next time, does the Emperor actually protect? Some of these demons are really strong. <laughs> <laughs>